0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is
1: why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit.
0: Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello listeners and welcome to this week's edition of the Feeling Film Podcast. I'm Patch, one of your co-hosts, and joining me from you, with his AS avatar, is my best friend and co-host Aaron
1: la 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 you suck you're terrible you suck wow you're terrible completely rude why am i even here
0: yeah just call me the beast the
1: dragon, I think he is in this. The the, dra-
0: dragon. the dragon or the beast, depending on what translation the, you're. The beast, yeah. <laughs> the beast. <laughs> but I, I guess that makes me beauty. I'll take it. Okay, there we go. Yeah, or Bell with an E, <laughs> something like that. All right. Well, this week we have the privilege of covering a Feelin Film premium pick from listener Audie Thacker in the form of the 2021 Hasada anime feature Bell. If you weren't aware, for a cool $50, we will cover any film you would like. These can be crowdfunded or purchased solo, and information is on our website as to how that works. We've had the opportunity to talk about some great films as a result of this thing that we do, and we are grateful to Audi for this pick as well. So without further ado, let's get into this metaverse fantasy. All right, Aaron. So, you know, several years ago, I went through my summer of anime and Hosada Mm -hmm. was one of the directors that I wanted to cover because he seemed to come up in a lot of different conversations. And so, Mm. in fact, I would, I think if I remember correctly, the first anime that I really kind of got an itch from was Wolf Children, one of his early favorites. Um, Okay. And... I mean, I'd seen other ones, but I think that was the one that really kind of said, OK, I need to really dive into the world of anime. Of course, Makoto Shinkai has become our top animator, top director, because he's basically the Christopher Nolan of the anime world. And for many other reasons, he does fantastic work. But Hosada definitely is up there as well, along uh, along with Satoshi uh, Kon, which is my personal favorite. And here we are. 2021, he comes out with a feature called Bell which debuted at Can? is it can i never can pronounce it right it's can and yeah
1: can it, or con either one but not can no s no s sorry
0: he lost it <laughs> Can we get it back? I don't think we can. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. So, this movie uh, debuted at Cannes and it received a 14 minute standing ovation. Now, look, I admit I did some research. I wanted to see what the whole hubbub was about. And it turns out this was not the only movie. This has not been the only movie that got a long standing ovation. In fact, it's, I mean, 14 minutes is a long time, but it pales in comparison to 22 minutes that another film had gotten. But, Nonetheless, 14 minutes, that's at least 13 minutes and 52 seconds longer than any short film that I've come up with. So it's got some chops. And it got me thinking about, from your perspective as a fan of film in general, and specifically anime, what do you think stands out for you that would warrant the kind of praise that a movie like this has gotten? A
1: 14 minute ovation? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There literally is no movie on this planet. So I have, a, I have an aversion to this. First of all, I don't even like people clapping in a movie theater. I think it's ridiculous. I, I get that people want to show that they're enjoying something or that they, you know, they're trying to express gratitude in a sense. But like in a movie theater, to me, it's just nonsensical because there is no one there. There is no. Person who was involved in making that picture in front of me. now at Cannes or at a film festival like Sundance that I just came from when I went to my first ever like series of world premieres with audience members right there in the same room as the stars, the directors of these movies. Right, I I've talked about this on my Sundance episodes. I sat and watched a movie with Amelia Clark directly in front of me. I watched a movie with Tessa Thompson directly in front of me. It's a different vibe. And so there were some standing ovations briefly. Obviously nothing to the length of anywhere close to 14 minutes. Now, here's why I think it's silly. I think that in this setting, it is acceptable because the cast and the creators of the film are there. And you are showing... Gratitude and praise for something that you found to be a, a gr- good work of art, or you were moved by, or whatever the reason was, you liked it. The thing is that I feel like this is such like a social construct because, depending on who starts it, once this thing gets going, it's almost like a it's like a not a game, but it, it it's. Got, it's kind of scary for people because you don't want to be the person to stop it because then there's this unseen and un, untalked about like sense of shame that you you feel internally because you were the one who wasn't on board. And I, I felt this because I've seen it when, when people are standing up and there's a pressure, right? I mean, I think we've all experienced this at standing ovations. Yeah. I don't like doing it, Patrick. I don't like standing up for crap. I, I don't always do it. I don't, you know, there's just, but when everybody starts standing up around you, what do you do? Just sit there in your seat and you're like, you know, I didn't really like the movie. I'm just going to sit here. And there's thousands of people standing up around you just clapping and going nuts. No, you're going to stand up and you're going to act the part. You're going to fake it until you make it right. You're going to barely like clap or whatever, because you don't want to look awkward and weird. And so I think that It has nothing to do with the quality of the movies. Like, I've looked through the list of what got what at Cannes as far as the length of standing ovations. I mean, some of them are terrible as far as, like, Critically Acclaimed or the Rotten Tomatoes. They're not all widely beloved movies. That being said, I can understand why something like Belle would actually generate a standing ovation as opposed to some of the other movies that can that did simply because this is the type of movie that is emotionally evocative and it makes you feel something and so when you're done and the movie is ending on a high on that absolute banger of an emotional song a million miles away you are like flying and it's just kind of like your your heart is pumping and i think it just kind of wants to come out of you. and so that's why i think it happened for this particular movie. and maybe that's why it happened that long. i don't know why it happened that long. i still think it's i think it's insane. Yeah. Let's I, just go to the bathroom. I don't know. Take a break.
0: I can't Seriously, imagine that's wrong. Just,
1: Can you imagine? I can't. I just I can't,
0: I can't I can't picture myself clapping for 14 minutes at anything. I mean, there are things that are worthy of an applause. There are concerts that I've been to, both rock concerts and classical, that have absolutely floored me. And at some point, you stop clapping because either an encore is happening or they turn the house lights up because there's a a sense of absurdity that comes from clapping that long. Like, it becomes redundant. It's like when you have a romantic meal and you've decided to bring your significant other Uh, Make a big meal at your house and you can afford the string quartet that will play. And for the first five minutes, like it's amazing and romantic. But then after a while, it's just four guys standing there watching you eat. And so I feel like (laughs) when it comes to an applause like this, I understand the sentiment behind it. And the value that's trying to be placed on, hey, the longer we clap, there's a sense of the more important this movie is. Because nobody's going to clap like this for Top Gun Maverick. Nobody's going to clap for Jurassic Park or movies that really do stand the test of cinematic time. Like 10 years from now, are people going to be talking about Bowling for Columbine? Yeah, in some regard, but not because of the standing ovation it got, but because of the controversy and the guy behind it. Michael Moore, as an icon, as a director, as a pundit, is the reason why people remember his films. It's not that Bowling for Columbine did something spectacular. I think it was one of the ones that got a long standing ovation. I don't think Bell is a movie that deserves that kind of criticism and that nobody's going to remember it. I think it's exactly what you said in that it emotionally manipulates you and that's okay. That is completely fine. In fact, that's almost like warranted. When you walk into a movie theater, if you're not emotionally manipulated Somebody's doing it wrong <laughs> because when you walk out going, eh, okay, yeah, or I see the fakeness of that, or I see what they were trying to do, man, that's a that's cynical, but in some regard, that's also kind of on the nose because that means that your storytellers aren't telling their story in a way that's going to hit you right in the heart in some way, shape, or form. I watched this movie and I know HBO Max has this interesting way that you can watch either not both, but either the Japanese version when you start it or the English version. And of course, I'm going to opt for the English. And when you open up with the music that we have, it is like, whoa, I'm in for something here. I'm in for something pretty special. I think that Makoto Shinkai's Your Name does the same thing with Wad Rimp's. Rad Wimp's, not Wad Rimp's, sorry. Got the W and the R mixed up, but Rad Wimp's. <laughs> and the, the music things. that... It's like a princess, yeah, right? Oh, Maoz, <laughs> <Odd> wimps. <laughs> it's what brings it's us together.
1: Perfect for marriage. yeah.
0: With with Amame Amame, <laughs> anyway. But I can see how a movie like this does something so evocative to a person because of the way in which we see Bell depicted, or Suzu, in, in inside you, and all the things that sort of. Culminate to the third act, which I feel like it's got some. I won't say it has problems. I had some issues with it, but it wasn't enough to take away from that feeling that you walk away with. Going, man, that was powerful. My challenge in walking away from a movie that I said that was powerful is that I couldn't pinpoint why I felt deep things. I felt a lot of things, but after watching it, I couldn't quite thread those feelings together to say, this is why. And I think a really great movie allows me to feel that kind of stuff. And then within probably the first 24 hours, thread those feelings together so that I can say, man, I want to feel that again. So when I watch Sing Street, the reason why I want to watch it again immediately afterwards is because I can process at least two or three big ideas that are connectable to the feelings that I was experiencing. And then I'm like, great. It's like riding a roller coaster. You know that there are parts of the roller coaster that are obviously thrill-tastic. Like if it's a loop or a drop, and you know that there are probably other parts that you missed, but they were part of that experience, you want to go ride it again for the parts that you already know and and to experience those other things that you can't quite explain. I think That's what Bell was trying to do and didn't quite hit it for me, but it didn't take away from my enjoyment of it. I think it's a great movie. There were just parts of it that I think felt a little uneven. And then when we finally get to the, I was like, what am I about? (laughs) So I couldn't give it a standing ovation. I could give it a good thumbs up and I could say, great job. I don't quite know what to feel. But maybe a second viewing will help me with that. And and that's what I want to do. I definitely want to revisit it at some point, independent of the podcast, to be able to sort of know what's coming up, know how to kind of process certain things, and then maybe it'll have kind of a, a better flavor the second time around for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely had a better for me experience the second time around, I can tell you that. I mean, I haven't seen it since it came out two years ago now. I admit to. But I had always wanted to go back and revisit it in the English language, because like you, I just enjoy it and I follow it more that way. It's that simple. And so as long as the dub is high quality, and let's be real, like when we're talking about these major animated films, the dubs are high quality. They have great voice talent. They're good. And I like specifically in a musical anime, being able to sing along with the songs. I mean, I'm sorry if somebody out there finds that bothersome, that's your own problem. You deal with it. Who cares what I do, honestly? Like, you watch it your way, I'll watch it mine. It's great to have choices, and I'm glad that HBO Max is carrying both the English dub and the original. But I like to be able to sing these songs as I'm watching along, especially in future viewings, right? And I connect with it more when I can Hear and see those lyrics in my own words, even if they sound great in Japanese, which they do. I mean, there's no problem. I enjoyed the movie just fine when I watched it that way, but it is a really interesting slamming together of ideas, and this is a very Hasada thing. Yeah, is the way that he he takes fantastical elements, he takes technological elements. Slash Sci-Fi and everything except The Wolf Children, which I still think is his best film, by the way. Uh, but everything else, like Summer Wars and The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which also very good. But he's a really good director. I like a lot of his stuff, but he does throw these things together, and it's it's an anime thing in a lot of ways. Like it's sometimes it doesn't quite perfectly connect because it, it just it's not is accessible uh, to the way that we're used to storytelling going is, is how it pretty much plays out. Now. I think this movie has a couple of other kind of one real big fault, which is just in its third act. I think that some of its endings aren't quite satisfying. We'll we'll talk about them. I'm sure in specifics as we go, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I had a feeling you would, and I think there's a high. I did this, did I say this last week? I feel like I said the same last week. But there's like a high floor for an anime movie that looks this good and has great music. Like, I'm into it no matter how good the story is. And then it's just a matter of, can you take me to that next level? And it took me part of the way there. And I did have some feels. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed the depictions and the creativity that we got to see.
0: I did too. And I think you're right. This is definitely a Hosada movie, which sounds very Captain Obvious because, duh, he directed it. But it's really nice to be able to have a footprint filmography that you can step into in order to have that familiarity. So when I watch The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, or when I, I watch any of these other ones, Wolf Children, there are themes and there are ideas that live in all of these movies. And those themes are things that I can definitely appreciate. I can definitely enjoy. Like there are some movies out there that directors always go to specific themes and I'm like, I really don't want to go back into that world of that particular idea. Hasada is one of those directors that I can appreciate the things that he does in his movies. By Combining, I mean, this is why I like Satoshi Kon is that he knows how to manipulate, like film in some ways. Like he can create duality visually. He can create duality in his stories. I think Hasada is able to balance the real and the surreal in a way that feels very approachable to his audience. I was talking to a coworker of mine about anime in general, and she is not a fan of Studio Ghibli, like at all and i was like well what specific reasons do you have like i just i was i was curious
1: no and, heart basically you know well, like
0: <laughs> is it the tin man the
1: tin man I, that doesn't yeah, have heart i, heard I think t- I yeah, heard she's, a, she's a tin yeah. tin
0: woman so i asked her and she couldn't put her her finger on it she she used the word childlike or childish and i can appreciate that look a, a lot of the studio ghibli movies this in, included as part of g kids has a childlike quality. It's very youthful. And so we were talking a little bit about other directors that we recommended. I of course recommended Shinkai. I said you want to get you want to get crazy? Let's get your name in front of you and check this out because this is definitely yes, there are kids involved, but it's it's got some really heavy themes. It's got some great sci-fi. I mentioned the whole Christopher Nolan of the anime world. But she brought up a good point in that there are distinctions when it comes to different types of anime. And over the years, I've learned to appreciate that. Even as someone who sort of tapered off his appreciation for animation in general, like I can appreciate Laika Studios because I love the concept of stop motion and I think it's just a spectacular art form. And so when I watch anime and I see Hasada's name, there's a good that familiarity really helps me appreciate what I'm about to experience. I think I was surprised more than anything else, Aaron, at how beautiful this was. Because anytime I think about anime that I like, it's going to be Shinkai. Like, Shinkai is going to be the standard, and everything else is sort of like third, fourth, fifth place. Because, like, I don't think anything can hold the candle, even the second place. But I think Hasada comes close because it looks really good. So when you step into you and you see this world that is completely defined differently than just the internet or virtual world, it has a distinction that allows me to just sort of throw away any conventional definitions that I might have or any contrivances, I think might be the word, Um, The closest thing I could think of was the Oasis from Ready Player One. This is the closest you could get for me to understand the world that you was. But then you add another element to it, which is not only that you have an avatar, but that you have an avatar that reflects parts of yourself, biometrics of who you are that live inside this world. And it's almost like there's this contradiction because it's like a piece of you is in there, but it's also promoted as a place to reinvent yourself to create a brand new you and I love that concept and I think if you'd had a different animator if he had a different director at the wheel I don't know if this would have been as appealing to watch these scenes inside you especially like when you see that big old whale with the speakers I'm like dude that's amazing like I want to see that in real life. I want to see a live action depiction, but I think it would take away from that fantasy aspect of it. And I think that's, for me, what initially drew me into the movie was this concept, not only the concept of you, but also the visualization of how it's depicted according to the rules that the voiceover sets up in terms of like, it's you, but it's a new you, and you're an AS, and you could be anything you want. But it's not like, oh, I'm a football player here, or I'm an actor, or I'm this or that. No, it's just you're completely beyond the world of, like, conventional roles. And I think there's – I like the untetheredness of that idea and how you present it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that the depiction is really interesting, and conceptually, it's more – interesting that it is deep i don't think that there's like much beyond the surface level of what we see here and that's part of i think what keeps me at a little bit more of a distance than i get with a shinkai movie or i think than you get with like a satoshi khan movie there's a depth that those stories get to that i didn't really feel here it's it's more of a of a surface layer thing where it's like oh this is a really interesting visualization of like a vr kind of avatar world but you just said it we've seen it before i mean yeah it looks really cool i'm not going to lie i think it, it's amazing visually and it looked really good in imax i saw it in imax in the theater and it looks it looks even better right the whale they, one of the designers who worked on one of the, some of the final fantasy games helped come up with the design of the whale so like you knew you know those things have an appeal to them. But there's no explanation for like why that exists or, or reasoning for it. And beyond just them floating around and singing (laughs) in this world, there's really not anything to it other than the fights. And, and I don't even, I don't know if I missed something, but there's a reference at one point when they're introducing the dragon slash Kai and there's a a line that somebody says something like you know like he's undefeated or whatever he's won all of his fights, and I don't know if there's like some sort of competition and game within the U universe as well, or if it's if, if it feels kind of like just like World of Warcrafty. Um, and for those who've played World of War, World of Warcraft, you know like one of the things about it is like all of the servers would kinda come together, right? And you would get gaggles and of people, players that would come together in one spot for events that weren't necessarily like quest or game related. And that's what it feels like when someone's doing one of these concerts type of things. But for the most part, it's to me it's just a setting. Like it's just table dressing. <laughs> it's really pretty. Yeah but it's table dressing.
0: Yeah. And I think that in some ways that's a strength because it allows you to focus on the individual, which in this case was Suzu when she becomes her avatar bell. In this case, I'm like you, I think I had to, I had to rewind it a couple of times, which is why these are the times I'm grateful to have something in my living room, as opposed to being in a theater, because in the real world, I was trying to figure out when hero became part of the story of knowing that she was bell. There was this, Hosada didn't really do a great job of giving us a distinction of when we were in the past versus when we were in the present. So we start what I believe we're in the quote present where she has established her avatar bell because she's looking at her phone and she sees all the stuff. And then she goes to school And they're kind of talking, and they see—I think it's—is it Ruka maybe the the band leader and Hiro is being snarky, and she's like, "Stop talking." So we get the real world stuff, sort of good exposition of of Suzu and the world that she lives in, the friends that she has, the relationships. And then there's a line that says, "But there was also something else that happened when I was younger." And then we get the flashback to her relationship with her mom. And it leads all the way up to the point where then a, I believe Hero gives her access to you. And it's that whole sequence that I, I was trying to understand. Okay, when are we back in the present? When are, like I didn't quite see a visual that said, oh, okay, now we're right here. And that sort of confused me a little bit. I had that same kind of feeling inside you. It was beautiful, but I think the best parts worked when we were just focused on her. And not that you needed to be about her, but it became a stage, literally and figuratively. And when you input these other things, when you bring in the beast, when you bring in Angel, when you bring in these soldiers that are going after him, now you start adding those lost type elements of mythology of like, wait, what's up with these guys? And you can't quite get there in terms of satisfaction through exposition. Like when you when you start explaining to me, he lost three battles, but he won all these other ones. Well, what's significant about those three battles? I never really felt like I got that answer, and so now I'm following this rabbit trail inside a Beauty and the Beast type story that sort of veers off into uh from the story of Suzu trying to find her voice again. And it's those themes that I think have so much potential, but they almost fight with each other where you have, I I wanted Hasada to stay with one or use that as an anchor to go into another. And I think that's where the resolution didn't happen for me because you're trying to resolve both of those things. And I didn't quite get that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I agree. hundred percent. I'm on board with you. I think that it's not the best written story. Is, is what it boils down to. And that's my issues with the ending as well as the script here, because it tries to do all those things. When we see and we look at each individual element, they all have such great value, right? We have Suzu who goes into the idea of this you place where she's able to take on this, a new identity and do something that she has repressed and and kind of been unable to accomplish for so long she hasn't been able to sing but now just like in real life and that this is a really good representation i think of our internet in certain ways you're able to kind of put on this mask and be someone else who maybe is your true self without fear of reality of like expectations and criticisms and, and things like that and so that's a really interesting depiction of that that plays out in a cool way where at the end she ends up unmasking herself and people are actually inspired you get both sides you get the you get the people who are like oh she's just some random girl but you see way more people who are like you know what that's cool like you inspire me because of you're not actually some gorgeous famous person you're just an everyday girl like me who can sing and you're putting yourself out there and i find that motivating but then you also have some great little one liners like hero says at one point to suzu I-, I can't remember during it's when she's first going viral right it's a great scene where like you see the follower counts going up it's like oh man this is realistic yeah. he says if you're only getting love You only have hardcore fans, not really famous. If you want to be a real star in you, you got to expect mixed opinions. And I just thought that was a a really smart piece of dialogue about how that's a good point. Like if all you, you know, we talk often about movies. To me, some of the best movies are movies that are divisive. Like I've seen it one time and I was very split down the middle and there are parts of the movie I absolutely despise but I absolutely respect a massive amount of Babylon. That is interesting because it has, you know, things to talk about. If everybody loves you, then you got to wonder like, why is that? You know, is it, is it, is it all completely fair and natural? Um, And so I think I like that part of it. And I like the idea of How in this particular version of our avatar creation, it reveals the hidden you by showing some sort of, you know, physical construct, essentially, like whether it's the freckles or the beast with the bruises. I found that fascinating as an idea, undercooked, but fascinating. And then I found the idea of Justin fascinating, but undercooked. He comes in, and all of a sudden he's he's like, "Dude, I don't know if you felt this, but like he is just such it's so it feels so random to me for him to just suddenly be like, "Hey, I'm this guy, and I'm on a mission because sponsors pay me, and I want to unmask you because justice what why what there's like no reason for him to want to do this other than he's getting paid to do this, and the only thing I can think of is." It's, it, it's a fair comparison of the world because we do have the internet problem of doxing and toxic Twitch and YouTubers and people who want to expose those who have gotten famous online for whatever reason to bring them down. But it just, that has like no story coalescence for me at all in this and so like like that's how I felt about this whole thing it's like all these really cool like you said individual ideas but maybe this would have been a great movie if he would have picked a couple of them and re and gone fully like deeper into those two with his writing instead of just trying to like make all of these examples and just not do much other than just give you one scene of it
0: yeah, I mean, and I think that that's what we have with um, with Suzu is I think she's a compelling enough character that we didn't need the K and Tomo plot. We didn't need that. I think that it was neat and it was thematically trying to touch on this idea of regaining trust because there's a... I think one of the coolest ideas and, and conflicting moments was when her mom puts on the life vest and goes to rescue this kid, and she drowns or she dies. And we hear all that dialogue in the background. And one guy says, How? I don't remember specifically. The way he worded it was just wonderful, though. It was basically, Your mom essentially chose to end her life to save someone who wasn't her daughter leaving you without a mother and the way it was said was so poetic and it was incredibly powerful and I'm like this is good how do you reconcile that because now you're essentially a motherless child who has to grow up resenting And being confused and wondering what was it that I did or didn't do that made this random person more important than myself. At some point, Aaron, I thought that random person was going to become someone significant in you. Like it was going to be this mysterious person. I thought that would have been an interesting concept. And this idea that a mother who sacrificed herself might bring these two together That they were enemies and now they're friends, or something like that. That would have been neat. And I think when you bring in characters like Kai and Tomo and their situation with an abusive father, I don't know that Suzu had earned enough from me to feel like she could stand up to him. When she goes that far on that journey, I still see her as a kid. I get it. You've grown in this story. You you found your voice, and people know you, and you're 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 confident in who you are. But I don't know that that necessarily gives you merit to just travel to a random town. And by the way, logistically, how in the world does she find these people? Like, does she just she starts yelling? In a t- like, are they the only people that live there? And and then she confronts their dad stands in front of the kids and for 14 minutes it would seem like he holds his fist in the air and then eventually walks away but they don't go with her so i'm like okay well in an hour he's gonna drink something and he's gonna beat his children again because he's gonna forget all about this moment like i don't see any redemption from him like her standing up to him for me is not enough for him to change his heart because he's been beating on his kids. And I'm thinking like child protective services and like call another adult and get, get these kids out of this bad situation because they don't seem to, at least uh, Kai doesn't seem to be a person who could stand up to this guy. Like, is is that is that the message that we're getting oh suzu could do it so now i feel like i have the confidence to do that it just didn't feel strong enough to finish that way
1: it's weak it, it is very weak and and you're not alone and you're this is a common criticism of the movie across the board by people i was doing some reddit homework just cuz i was looking for a couple of details i wanted to confirm i was on the right track And I was thinking about things the right way. And I found entire Reddit posts of just hundreds of comments of people just, just angry at the way this movie ends. And I don't go that far because I still, I am swept away by the emotion of it, (laughs) frankly, the very ending of it. But the reality is it handles it cheaply. It, especially when Suzu has people who are older than her. And wiser than her that specifically say, no, let us go with you. We're going to go with you. And then she just says no. And they're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> I mean, I, there there is no planet <laughs> in which this is the, the right way to happen. This is not okay. There's nothing okay about this. And it it's unrealistic. And it takes something that is supposed to be like a powerful strength moment for her, which is her... I th- I think I think what the intent is, is to kind of parallel what Suzu is doing with what her mom did. She is sacrificing herself is what she thinks she's doing to save Kai and his brother. And she's okay with that. I, I think that's a terrible like message to send <laughs> and for it to even work out. Like it's just crazy. But then does it work out? We never see him at all. And that is unbelievable to me you're going to introduce a child abuse story and have that be a primary point and then no resolution to that whatsoever and you also don't have any resolution to the other antagonist side of justin he just disappears man like after the fight with the beast <laughs> and the the how, the castle getting burned down it just stops being beauty and the beast all of a sudden and He's gone, like completely out of the whole thing. And it just, it's wild to me. Like, that's where I just felt like the writing is just not there. The ideas are there, but the writing doesn't bring things together in a way that makes sense because, you know, whatever. Like, she, her saving him is silly. I'm sorry. It just is. I mean, the only reason the dad wouldn't hit her would be one of two reasons because she's a girl and not a boy. Or because she's a stranger, and so he's afraid that he can't hide his his abuse anymore, which is what has happened. He's been exposed, right? Because that's he freaks out because it gets put on the internet. So I guess they want us to assume that he stops because of that, or the kids get free. I don't know. I just I wanted something else, definitely, from the ending. And I also didn't think that the beauty and the beast. Story was necessary. Uh, was a good framing for this because it's not a romance at all between her and Kai. <laughs> like that's right. not the relationship they have. And I know that's kind of the the point that he wants to make. Is like, oh, I'm doing a twist, right? Where it's not actually going to be that. But I, it's like, why even use that framework if you're just going to completely not use it? It doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I I thought was compelling is what you alluded to earlier. Well, two things: what you alluded to earlier, the concept of being a celebrity. I, I love the moments of the obsession, and as you alluded to with um with Hero, the comment about you're not going to be loved by everybody, and that's a good thing. I absolutely thought it was wonderful when she starts singing that first song, not the fast-paced one, but the slow one. So it wasn't the official first song, but it, the 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 one where she discovers her voice. And you hear these other avatars who are like, she's just trying to show off and, oh, that's gross. I mean, you're going to have haters. Haters going to hate, says T-Swistle. So you're going to have the folks that are not going to like you just on principle. That to me had, had some like fuel to it. How do you, as someone who gains celebrity so quickly, how do you navigate that? knowing that that's not quote the complete you i won't say the real you because there is a piece of you the the unknown part of you how does that become important the i guess it's just before i think it's the the start of the third act where she sings and all the lights come up from these from these avatars beautifully shot and she gets this like it's her it's you know it's susie that could have been the moment where they're like wow you didn't have to be beautiful you just had to be something that was meant that that meant something to me i mean that was something else that i found was really interesting is throughout some of those those voiceovers and the voices you heard as she's getting more popular there's this idea that oh each person feels like a personalization to her. Like, Oh, she's singing that song for me. That song was written for me. She's singing it for me. And we we felt that way. We connect with actors and directors. I mean, there are times when in my head, I'm like, dude, I would love to meet Carney and be able to say, dude, your characters in Seeing Street were absolutely a reflection of my life. Because we want to, we want to offer that praise, not because it's absolutely true, but because we want to connect with those people saying, "Look, you and I could have lunch we, we could we could hang out because we we understand each other when the fact is, Aaron, that guy doesn't know me, and I don't know him. I mean, he could be completely blowing smoke out of his butt, and he but he tells a story that connects to me It's the same way here I mean she's singing from her heart, she's not singing to an individual, she's not singing to a group of people, she's just singing and so this this idea if it could get, it could have gotten fleshed out, would have been an interesting journey for her because she's trying to discover who she is, in the absence of a mother, in the absence of what she had, and now she's lost. And how does she grow from that? So you could eliminate that, and then you could, or you could go this other route with the the story of her, and 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 Kai and Tomo, without the Beauty and the Beast, set, like undertones that's a powerful story too because it's about it's a mystery it's a it's a not really a whodunit but there's that one near the end of the movie there's that whole sequence where they see a picture of them and they're like wait i recognize those two buildings where's this where's that and now you're on the hunt to try to find these folks to try to find these kids that was compelling. But I think, like you said, when you just put her in the driver's seat and she refuses the help of others, who, by the way, have become important to her. I mean, Hero is an important character for her. Not only is she a producer, but she's also a Jiminy Cricket. She's like, listen, this is the real thing. This is what you're going to have to understand. I think, at the very least, you put that pair along with her childhood friend, who was like an over a uh, protector. And, and, and Kayak, I'm sorry. I can't remember the names of these characters, but the, 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 the Kayak guy, um, having all of them together almost reinforces how she's changed because she's been a loner. She's been quiet. She's been isolated. And now she's got friends and it's her and her friends that would, honestly, if you had all of them going to this place and standing up to this dude, that would have been more believable. Because the exposed, the exposure would have been the same, but I would have believed that if he was going to try to hit her, nope, there's three other people that are like, no, you're not. And then they walk away with these two kids. And then he is disgraced because all that stuff is on the internet and he lives in shame. That to me is a satisfying ending.
1: 100% agree with you. I think that makes way more sense because one of the strengths is what you just said with the fact that there's all these different characters and they're all friends. There's no antagonists in the school group. Usually there's like a kid that's a bully that's trying to ruin her life or whatever. You know, like that's the normal thing. Instead, she experiences that through Justin character in in the the metaverse, but she doesn't have that in her real life. In her real life, she has these great people all around her and it would make so much more sense if they all just like they do in the end they they've always supported her and they come to her aid and they believe in her some of them knew who she was they just figured it out on their own and then they wanted to like do it as a group and and find find a way to help her accomplish this thing so she felt like she was making her mom proud or whatever she was wanting to feel that she was, you know, doing a good deed by helping to make Kai and his brother's situation safer. I agree. That would have been a much better ending, but I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I sound super critical. I I don't mean to, I, I just, I really enjoy it. Like moment to moment, I enjoy it. It's just a surface level enjoyment that I could always palpably note could have been more and and that kind of made me sad too at the same time because i was like man this is this could have been really really great but i like the fact that guy's anger and his protectiveness of his brother are how they manifest in the way that his avatar works in the u and and how yeah. your emotions kind of bring out how your character is going to be able to operate like those ideas are really well displayed and i my favorite scene in the movie is a very shinkai-esque scene because it's the rom-com moment between ruka and kamachine uh, and he's the the kayak guy as you put it i believe the sports star thank and you i appreciate that it's <laughs> when uh it's when suzu is hooking them up <laughs> and playing matchmaker and you this one amazing frame where Ruka is on the right side of the shot and she is just doing the anime face of embarrassment, right? Where it's like super red and she's got her head down in her hands because she is so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And Kamesheen like is walking in and out of the frame in very weird, awkward ways. <laughs> on the left hand, he'll come in, like he's gonna talk to her and then he like runs away and then he kind of walks back in carefully and then he's like very nervously trying to get up there. And then they have the most adorably Realistic, kind of like meet cute moment where they talk to each other and kind of work their way to the point where they get it out that they like each other. I just, that was such a phenomenally adorable, silly, charming, sweet scene. I love that one quite a bit. And the music's awesome and the visuals are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, And that's why I think it works so well is because it does kind of just sweep you. It's, in a lot of ways, maybe it's kind of like an Avatar. And I'm not saying one-for-one one comparison, but some people talk about Avatar in that you get swept away in the blockbusterness of it and just the production value. And so you're kind of more forgiving of what you might normally consider story shortcomings. That's how I feel about Bell on the anime
0: front. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the sum of it's parts don't quite make for the parts themselves. And I think about the fact that it feels like a really, like a, I don't know, like a good train ride or plane ride, a good trip that just kind of has a rough landing or parts that are like, "Oh, oh, a little turbulence here and there. I mean, it gets from beginning to middle to end. And I think that the pieces that we latch onto are the things that will be memorable. And for me, it's the music. I'm listening to the English dub or the English version, not the dub. I mean it's it's original songs re-recorded in English. And I haven't listened to the original Japanese. I don't know that I want to because when I listen to the English version, all I can think of is Amy Lee from Evanescence and what a powerful voice she has. Like this takes me back to Bring Me to Life and without the heavy rock and roll <laughs> like alternative it is a magical voice and I had my headphones in listening to this because I was listening to it, uh, watching it late at night and I wanted to hear everything and not have the subtitles on even with English and it's so beautiful just right in your ears and when you couple that with the visuals, I think that's where the magic is. That's where people want to clap is because that's what makes me feel emotional was the combination of song and visual. I think it's why folks like going to concerts, because you're enveloped with the music and you're seeing a performance. And those are the things that I think made Bell really, really enjoyable for me. It's like I was watching a performance and almost like seeing a story unfold on stage. So it's like a stage show, only it didn't have everything that I wanted or it didn't quite have a completeness to it. But there was enough about it that kept me engaged. I mean, I never looked down at my watch and said, "Man, this is two hours really." I mean, it was lengthy. I, I was surprised at the length when I saw it. Like, is this not like an hour and a half, hour and hour and forty minutes? But I don't feel like I don't feel like the time was wasted. I just felt like it was a little bit. It wasn't stitched together in a way that felt cohesive. If I were to recommend a movie like this, I would say, watch it for the sake of seeing how visually incredible it can be and listen to it for how beautifully musical it can be and forgive the parts that are a little uneven because it's worth seeing it more than it's not. And I'm in agreement with you. I mean, we're, (laughs) the point of the show is not to trash movies by any means. And there, there is a lot to like about this. I, I just, I find it Like with any movie, if it's not going to leave me feeling complete, it's going to have its challenges. But in no way am I saying, eh, skip it. No, I'm saying, check this out. Especially if you're a fan of Hasada, you're going to get a Hasada movie. It's going to be complex, maybe more so than it's for its own good, but it's good.
1: Well, hopefully the people that are listening to this have already checked it out and are not needing this recommendation because... I mean, yeah. hey, you <laughs> I didn't mean to do a spoiler alert, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> did spoiler we not? Alert. I don't know. I just uh I don't think we spoiler did. Spoiler alert for the whole episode, people. <laughs> uh anyway, but no, we we I mean, I feel like we mentioned plenty of things. The the themes still work on their own individually. It is still a good representation of what it feels like for someone who has this depression and is able to break out of that in an online environment just because it doesn't perfectly come together. I think you said it really well there, so I don't want to belabor the point, but you nailed it when you said when a movie doesn't come together at the very end and wrap itself up in a way that's satisfying, that is unfortunately part of that feeling that really lingers with you. And so even though those ideas are really cool and interesting to watch as you're seeing them be shown to you as the movie is going on by the end when you come out of it you're kind of like i wanted this to work a little better whereas if the movie had had you know messy themes as it was going but then it came together and worked really well and had a banger of an ending you're going out on a (laughs) high it's it's just the way it works yeah uh, in life and so yeah, so we're not we're not criticizing it as much as it might sound like we're just talking through the ways that we wish it would have connected just slightly better.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Feelin' and Film. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we have. We are off next week because the Super Bowl is here. It will be here. It'll be there. We'll be watching it. So we're going to take a week off and enjoy that. But then we'll be right back the following week covering another great movie and having another great conversation. Aaron, thanks for this one. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show,
1: we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you.
0: We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group, A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way.
1: If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat.
0: And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you.
1: Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive
0: and keep feeling film.